We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. We are wrapping up our conference previews tonight. We are finishing with the Big Ten Eastern Division. Uh, We are going to leave IU out of it as we have scheduled a big IU preview in the next week or so. Um, So join us. It's uh, myself, Sammy Jacobs, and TJ Inman as we go through the Big Ten East. I will hit every team see how they match up against IU, uh, talk a little bit about Ohio State and the impact it would have if Urban Meyer does indeed get fired or if he comes back uh, and all of that stuff. We'll look at all the opponents that IU plays and uh, as well as uh, some sleepers on that team. Right now we welcome in TJ Inman. TJ, uh, how are you? I'm doing well, Sammy. Yeah, it's uh, definitely an exciting time. I know. Uh, the Big Ten East has had a lot of attention turned its way uh, here in the past week. Um, you know, I, I, I think we're probably going to uh, steer clear of that conversation until we, you know, know what the Ohio State uh, administration is going to do. Um, but certainly, it, um, you know, it has uh, definitely, I think, after a very quiet off season in terms of off the field stuff, which was very nice. Uh, that things have ramped up and been away from uh, the beginning of camp um, for not just Ohio State, but really that that has taken uh, any kind of breath in the room towards college football has been focused on uh, Ohio State and um, their off-the-field stuff with Zach Smith and Urban Meyer and uh, what they are going to do at at the head coaching position. So, that's unfortunate, but I think we'll probably steer clear of that until we know exactly what uh, Ohio State's doing. Yeah, and, you know, Big Ten Network was on campus at IU today. I haven't watched all of it yet. I just watched the first 10 minutes, and, and you know, they talked about IU for almost six minutes, and then, boom, they cut right to Ohio State, the rally that they had there. And, and I just want to say this about Big Ten Network. You guys are so infuriated. You have a platform to talk about all these programs, every school in the Big Ten. And instead yep. you get back-to-back, you know, Big Ten football and, and beyond episodes where, you know, you're recycling content, where you could actually give Indiana and schools like Indiana uh, an hour of untouched time, and yet you spend – another five, ten minutes. I haven't, again, I haven't watched it all. I only watched the first ten minutes. About half of it was about how, you know, nothing happened since Friday uh, or this weekend in the Urban Meyer case. Uh, So, you know, that's, it just, it it infuriates me. I put out a tweet earlier and it's just, as awesome as it is that Big Ten Network, it seems that they've dropped the ball in giving schools like Indiana, you know, Purdue, Western, uh, Maryland, Rutgers, all these schools that could really, really use the publicity and get fan, local fans interested, um, they they just go right bam right to right to the national. It's not even news, non-news um, about you know, forming a committee up at Ohio State. But enough about them for right now. Actually, we're going to start with Ohio State. That was a good segue. Anyway, I am off to an awesome start tonight, TJ. Um, (laughs) So just everybody bear with me. It's Monday, folks. The Yankees got swept at Boston last week. It was not a good weekend for me. Um, 
So, anyway, starting with the Big Ten East, they they're it is a once again a loaded division. I, I believe you have yeah. um, four top fifteen teams uh, in the coaches poll, and, and it's just it's it's unbelievably imbalanced. They're not going to change. It's, I, I just don't get it. It's, it's an uphill battle uh, again. And, and let's start with the, the king of the hill of the Big Ten. Uh, right now is Ohio State. As everybody knows, the big news that Urban Meyer may or may not be coaching. We'll, we'll touch on what impact uh, that would have on the team. But this team, Ohio State, coming back, they do lose JT Barrett, uh, who was an all-world quarterback for them, uh, despite some – Issues throwing the ball. He's still accounted for a gazillion touchdowns and a gazillion yards, uh, and all came up with a big play when they needed uh, needed to. They replace him with Dwayne Haskins. It seems like maybe Tate Martell uh, comes in if they need to run the ball, things like that. But they return J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber at running back, two backs who could go over a thousand yards each this season. The Wide receivers should have a good year. Now, this is an area where JT Barrett has been a built-in excuse for that unit not producing. They haven't. Their leading receiver only had 700-something yards last year. I think it's Paris Campbell. If they don't have a thousand-yard passer today, it's not going to be or this year. It's not going to be because of uh, a lack of arm talent at the quarterback position. And then on defense, of course, you have Nick Bosa. And, and a heck of a lot of guys coming back. But you lose a lot of guys to the NFL. But, you know, Ohio State, I think it's had the recruiting classes, top two, top three recruiting classes, you know, every year over the last four years. So there's no doubt they're going to reload. So it's going to be a tough game. IU faces them October 6th in Columbus. Place the Hoosiers haven't won since 1987. TJ, what is your first look, uh, take it, at the Ohio State Buckeyes? Well, I think Barrett, you know, took a lot of criticism from Ohio State fans, uh, and I I understand some of that. I mean, he was not a reliable passer uh, and against really good defenses. That that did cause them an issue. Um, it, it forced them to be one-dimensional. Uh, you know, when you're one-dimensional, it makes you much easier to stop. Uh, so that I, I understand that criticism, but there is something to be said. J.T. Barrett was uh, incredibly successful, not only uh, as a, a rusher, but specifically as a short yardage rusher. Um, I mean, he, he converted 65% of his uh, third and short rushes into first downs. That's, I mean, that is incredibly efficient uh, to do that. And I, I'm interested to see how Ohio State goes about replacing that because uh, it was a big security blanket for Urban Meyer. Uh, was you know when they got into a third and short, he knew what he was going to do. He was going to let J.T. Barrett make a play, and they can't do that this year. So uh, that doesn't mean that they won't be effective on third and short, but it does mean they're going to have to find a new way to be effective. Uh, and I, I think Dobbins is a uh, very gifted running back. I think Mike Weber is fine. Um, I don't think Weber's special, but I think he's you know very good for your second back. Is you know as good as just about anybody in this conference. Uh, so they've they've got those two to lean on. Uh, the wide receivers. I'm not convinced any of them are stars, but uh, you know they they do have a quite a few talented guys there. The offensive line. Um, they have to replace two starters, Billy Price and Jamarco Jones, but uh, that's going to be a pretty good unit. Overall, you'd expect the offense to be really good, no doubt, uh, but I, I, I am interested to see how they handle those short yardage situations, which uh, Barrett was so good at. And I'm interested to see if, like you said, can that passing game, which uh, you know Kevin Wilson was supposed to go in there and fix, well, guess what, that didn't happen. Um so it's, was J.T. Barrett the sole issue with that passing game? Uh, and when he's gone, does Haskins just figure it out and the passing game takes off? Uh, if so, Ohio State's going to the college football playoff. 
I mean, if they have a dynamic vertical passing game, I, I do not see them losing more than one game this season. Uh, and if they go, you know, 11-1 and one and win the big uh, – so if that vertical passing game is really good, then I think that's their destination. Uh, so that that's a big question mark. I think they do have some questions on defense. Nothing that they cannot solve. Uh, but, you know, if you were looking at anything, you would say linebacker is, is a concern. Uh, they've got a lot of unknowns there. Uh, a ton of guys that are probably ready to step in. They just haven't – we haven't seen it before because of the players in front of them uh, that are, you know, now in the NFL. So uh, they they do have, you know, in terms of schedule – uh, obviously, they're playing Ohio. They're playing Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State. Of course, uh, they also play TCU and uh, in Arlington. So that's a you know it's a pretty tricky tricky game. They're on the road to Penn State, Michigan State. Uh, they also go to Purdue. So you you know you've got a little bit of a uh, little bit of a test on the schedule outside of just your you know your mandated other three uh, Big East. I'm sorry, Big Ten East opponents uh, that you're going to play every year. So, uh, overall, I, I see Ohio State, uh, unless they get derailed by uh, off-the-field concerns, unless they get derailed by that, uh, I, I think that they are a favorite to make it to the college football playoff. Yeah, I, I would, you know, I have to agree. Although, if they do lose, lose a game, they're going to have to hope that they beat TCU in their non-conference game and that TCU has a good year. Their non-conference is right. really weak. Right. Um, outside of TCU, Oregon State is arguably uh, the worst team in the Power Five with Kansas. Uh, and then you play Tulane as well. And so if you lose if you lose to TCU – and they have a six and six year or, or a bad year that that might not do well in the eyes of, of the committee. But, um, you know, if, if you beat Oregon state, Oregon state has a better year and Tulane has a decent year and, and maybe a trip up against Penn state or uh, Michigan state, you have to beat TCU. And then you're probably, if you win the big 10 title, you're right, DJ, they're probably right. in, uh, they'll beat another top ten team, probably in Wisconsin over there. But to me, it's you know, and, and who knows what the impact of losing Urban Meyer would be? Uh, they demoted uh, Kevin Wilson quietly in the off season. Ryan yep. Day has been promoted uh, over him. He is also now the acting head coach for Ohio State. There, it's just. I, I think they go – you can never expect them to go 12-0. and But there isn't a game that they shouldn't be – outside of Penn State, there isn't a game that they shouldn't be um, probably favored in. Maybe Michigan State, too. But you can see them – you know, you can see them winning both of those games. But if you lose both of those games, and who knows, at the end of the year with Michigan, that's a, you know, an interesting game as well. So – if they lose Urban Meyer, is this going to turn into the 2012 Buckeye team that went 6-6 six and six, uh, that also had a lot of talent after Jim Tressel uh, lost his position? Uh, but enough on Ohio State. We're not going to find out if Urban Meyer is back, you know, at least for, for another week or so. That committee wants yeah. two weeks. I think they'll, they'll do in two weeks. Be um, finished in two weeks. Let's move on to – that team up north, Michigan, I am not sold on, on Michigan. I, I am down on Michigan. I could see them losing three games at least. Uh, I could see them losing more than that. They open up at Notre Dame, uh, which I thank God this game is back. This is one of the traditional rivalries in college football that makes college football great. It's back. It's opening weekends uh, during commercial breaks. When you're watching IU that Saturday night, look forward to this game uh, and watch it. It's going to set the tone for the season for both of these programs. Uh, they also have to go to Michigan State and Ohio State, and then they get Wisconsin and Penn State at home. 
those five games are all losable, uh, in, in my opinion. It, it's all top 15, top 12, uh, maybe even top 10 teams at the time, uh, even though Notre Dame might be a little overrated at, I think they're eighth in the coaches' poll, uh, something like that. Uh, but we'll see. It's a game on the road to open the season. And Notre Dame's 11th in the coaches' poll, and, and uh, Michigan's 14th, and Michigan State's 12th. So, you know, all this stuff about Jim Harbaugh, they're bringing in Shea Patterson from Ole Miss to be their savior. I'm not sold on him uh, yet. I haven't seen him play. His record at Ole Miss, he didn't play a lot of football. He got hurt at Ole Miss. He didn't play a lot of football in the games that he played, too. He didn't have a great record. A lot of his numbers came against uh, cupcake competition as well. They lose a little bit on defense, a defense that should still be very strong, but that offense is the main concern. It wasn't great last year, and, and who knows how far up it goes. But if you're a Michigan fan and you lose, 9-3 and three is not a bad year for anybody's standards, except for maybe the Alabamas and Clemson's and Ohio State's. If you go nine and three after an eight and five season and you're losing to Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Ohio State, what do you do? Uh, it's Jim Harbaugh's fourth year there. He's hasn't beaten Ohio State. He has one win against Michigan State, and Notre Dame is probably one of their bigger rivals as well. So what do you do? And then who knows if you lose to Penn State? If you lose five games, oh man, I do not want to be in Ann Arbor on November 17th when Indiana comes to town. They had four losses. Um, I, I wouldn't want to be near Michigan fans at, at that time. So they have a lot of work to do on offense. Uh, and we'll see what Shea Patterson brings. Because behind him, you know, Brandon Peters had a decent year last year with four touchdowns, 672 yards uh, passing. Their running game is okay. Uh, with Karan Higdon, who killed IU last year, uh, and then had 11 touchdowns. Zach Gentry's back at tight end. Their wide receivers should be better. They have Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples-Jones, who are excellent coming out of high school, have the physical tools to be really, really good. Their offensive line should be better, uh, should be pretty good, actually, uh, with that. Clinton Nordin is back as a sophomore kicker. So they have all the pieces. There's no excuse for them to go – you know, eight and four or nine and three. This is a pretty big year for them, but they get their rivals on the road. And if they lose that opening game to Notre Dame, uh, the tides may be starting to turn, albeit a little early, on uh, on Michigan. Well, I mean, it's an incredibly interesting program. I mean, they they've not won a title since 1997, uh, which I'm not suggesting, oh, you know, what a miserable program. They haven't won a title since 97. No, I'm not. Uh, but for all the attention that they receive, you know, you would think that this is, you know, like a top, you know, two or three program. And it's just, it's not. Uh, and that's, that's not going to be a popular statement. Um you know, for Big Ten East people or for uh, for Michigan fans, but um, you know, they haven't been for the past 20 years. Now, that's not to say that they don't have a fan base of that type of program. They do. They have a tremendous fan base that has high expectations, understandably so, because of the resources that they pour into that program. They should expect to be great. Uh, I, I completely understand it. Um, but, you know, when I look at the Ohio State roster and I look at even the Penn State roster and then I look at the Michigan roster, uh, I can't help but be a little underwhelmed by the playmakers on the Michigan roster compared to the Buckeyes and even the Nittany Lions. Um, I think that Michigan's defense is exceptional. Uh, I have said often on this podcast how much respect I have for Don Brown and how good I think he is as a defensive coordinator. Uh, I really like Michigan's defense, and I like the way that they play, the way that they attack. Uh, 
Uh, and I think you're going to see more of that this year. I think that they have uh, a linebacker core that is as good as anyone in the country. Uh, and their defensive line is really good. Their secondary is really good. There's not a weakness on that defense. Uh, what I, If I'm a Michigan fan, what I'm hoping to see is for their offense to open things up a little bit. I felt that they were incredibly conservative uh, last season. Uh, I, I didn't understand it. I mean, you you need to put the trust into guys that you mentioned, Tariq Black, Donovan Peoples-Jones. I know that they didn't have a ton of confidence in their quarterback situation, uh, but they didn't give those guys a chance to make plays down the field, really. Uh, it was a very conservative offense that I think they just relied too much on their defense, and when it bent, uh, they were done. I mean, if the, if the defense didn't show up with an A game, uh, they were probably not going to win. And I think for Michigan to take that next step, which is going to be uh, beating those teams that they expect to beat, and then also knocking off your rivals uh, at the top of the East, for them to take that next step, their offense needs to open things up, and they've got to attack on offense the way that they do on defense. Uh, I don't know if they are going to do that this season, and I don't know if they have the horses uh, to handle this schedule at the level that their fans expect them to. Uh, I, nine and three is, I think, would be pretty good with this schedule. Uh, anything better than that, but I think, I think would be a big success. Um, I don't know, like you said, if their fans are going to see it that way, and I'd be a little surprised. Uh, well, I'll go ahead and say this. I don't think that Michigan gets any better than 9-3 and three this year, and I think they finish at best third in the East. Uh, and another, you know, middle-of-the-pack finish in the East is, as you said, that's uh, that's going to turn up the heat on Harbaugh. Yeah, I mean, look, Jim Harbaugh was, was brought now, into now, Michigan to be the, the guy. It's, right. Who do you replace him right. with? And exactly. That's what I was going to say is it would be understandable for Michigan fans to, to feel that way, but anytime you are thinking about replacing a coach, which I'm not suggesting that they are at that level, they're not. They are not at that level. Um, but, you know, let's say he goes 8-4 this year, Michigan goes 8-4, uh, and you, you know, lose to Ohio State again. Would they, would some consider that? Yeah, I think that would creep into the back of their minds. I really do. Uh, and that would be understandable to have that. But then you have to ask yourself, well, who are we getting then? Because this guy was brought in, as you said, to be the guy. He was the savior. He was the counterpunch to Urban Meyer. He was the counterpunch to James Franklin. Uh, He was going to put Michigan back into the college football playoff discussion and get them another national title. Uh, That's what he came there to do. And who's that? You know, he's the dream hire. So when the dream hire doesn't work the way you expect it to, what then? And that's not a question we're going to be able to answer. Uh, I don't think it's a question Michigan can answer either. No, you're, you're exactly right on that. And we'll see. It's going to be a fascinating uh, Michigan season, especially with that opener. Then they play Michigan State October 20th, yeah. up in East Lansing. And, of course, Ohio State at the end of the year. Uh they play Indiana November 17th up in Ann Arbor. And, again, another place that Indiana hasn't won in a very, very long time. Uh, let's move on to Penn State. Uh, this is a team that loses its all-around best player, uh, Saquon Barkley, from last year. He's now playing for the New York Giants after being the number two pick in the NFL draft. Uh, we'll see. Miles Sanders is a very capable back. He averaged over six yards a carry last year. Uh, but understandably had had limited time uh, behind uh, behind Saquon Barkley. So we'll see if that they do have the best quarterback in the Big Ten, in my opinion, uh, with Trace McCorley. He, he can run the ball. He's the team's leading returning rusher. He's thrown for over 3,000 yards um, two years in a row. 
26, 28 touchdowns, 10 interceptions last year. They bring back Tommy Stevens as well, who, if McSorley does go down, can fill in at quarterback. It's also it's also pretty god darn good, um, darn good tight end. You know, he, he's rushed the ball well. He, he had 12 catches, 60 yards, and two scores. He had another 190 yards of and four scores on the ground. So that's another weapon uh, for James Franklin to use. They bring back Juwan Johnson, uh, who's uh, a good wide receiver. Uh, DeAndre Tompkins as well is back for his senior year. Juwan Johnson, 6'4", 225. He's just going to be a pain in the butt uh, for teams to cover at that size. And and it's really, you know, people might be sleeping on Penn State because Saquon Barkley left. They have a pretty good, team uh, returning on the offensive side of the ball. The defensive or the offensive line uh, could be the best offensive line they've had on James Franklin, which probably doesn't say much, seeing that the first couple of times uh, with with Hackenberg back there, uh, they were just getting blown up. But it is now a senior line, uh, senior laden line. They, they've recruited that position well, and these guys are now maturing. They're veterans and they're ready to step up and take this offensive line to the next level. They lose tight end Mike Jasicki, and uh, Jonathan Holland comes comes back in. He played in 12 games. Um, 12 games last year, only had three receptions, so not much experience, but he does have some, some playing time under his belt. On defense, their biggest loss, probably Marcus Allen and Jason Cabinda, the two leading tacklers from last year. They also lose Brandon Smith. Troy Apke in the backfield, and Manny Bowen uh, recently announced he was back. He had 51 tackles, uh, one and a half sacks, and uh, and four quarterback hurries last year. So he'll be back uh, in some shape or form after getting dismissed uh, earlier in the offseason. So we'll see if he's earned his way back on on this team. But this is a team that, you know, I think people are sleeping on a little bit. We we. We know what Ohio State is. Uh, we we know what Michigan can be, and, and people have high hopes for Michigan. And we'll talk about Michigan State here here next. But Penn State, I think people TJ are sleeping on them uh, to to keep up their pace in the Big Ten East. Yeah, I I think the general assumption uh, of the kind of. I would say the very casual college football fan would be, well, you know, Penn State, that was, that was cool to see them back, but you know, now that Saquon Barkley's gone, they're they're going to take a step back and, you know, be middle of the pack squad again. I, I, that's not accurate. I mean, James Franklin is recruited at a very high level, continues to do so. Uh, now, if they had lost Barkley and if McSorley had elected to go to the NFL draft, well, then we'd be having a different conversation, but McSorley's back. He's outstanding. Uh, their skill position players should be still very good. I mean, you're yes, you're going to miss Saquon Barkley. There's no getting around that. Uh, you know, he made game-changing plays on a regular basis, and that is not going to be replaceable. Uh, that being said, you know, you mentioned Miles Sanders. He looked very good in limited action. Uh, another Pennsylvania native, Sanders was. So they've they've done a good job getting those guys in there. Um, I would say, you know, they they have a pretty deep backfield as well. I mean, Mark Allen is a reliable senior. And then uh, they've got two young guys that we haven't seen on the field before, uh, but I know that their fans are really excited about the redshirt freshman, Journey Brown, and then true freshman, another five-star guy, Ricky Slade. Uh, Both of those players are going to play. Uh, and, you know, I think that they'll probably try to work in some multiple back sets to get, uh, you know, Sanders and one of those uh, speedy guys, Slade and Brown, uh, on the field at the same time. Uh, I think that they will have a difficult time replacing Gesicki, um, and I, I think the bigger question mark, though, is going to be uh, they lost Joe Moorhead, who is now the head coach of Mississippi State. He was a wonderful offensive coordinator, a really good hire by Franklin, and it, I mean, it was a home run. And now Moorhead is at Mississippi State. Uh, I think that that's going to be difficult for the new guy, who's Ricky Ronnie. Yes, he was on the staff, but still, 
Moorhead did a really good job making in-game adjustments and uh, as a play caller in-game. Uh, that's going to be tough to replace. And then defensively, uh, I, I do think that there's enough lost that, yeah, they've got some really talented five-star guys like Micah Parsons who's going to step in at uh, a position that he was originally not going to be playing, which is linebacker. Uh, but they have to have it because they've lost so much. And, uh, and he's good enough that they just want to get him on the field. But uh, there's going to be some growing pains on defense. I think Penn State is going to be a very high-scoring team, uh, but I think their defense takes quite a step back. You're going to see them involved in a lot of shootouts. It's going to be a fun team to watch. Uh, but I, I do think that the schedule is such that Penn State – uh, I think that they've got a pretty good shot of winning 10 games. Um, I think they're over under right now is nine and a half. I think 10 games is probably just about the ceiling for them uh, because of that defense. Um, they do host Ohio state. They host Michigan state. They also host Wisconsin and Iowa. They're not the easiest cross division games, uh, but they get them at home. And it's a very tough place to go and play, particularly if they decide to go with the night game or if the TV, I guess, decides to go with the night game. Uh, so I think Penn State, in my opinion, probably the biggest challenger to the Buckeyes um, for the uh, East Division title because they get to host them at home. I would say that if Penn State had this year's schedule with last year's roster, uh, I think they'd probably be winning the division and, and headed to the Big Ten title game. Uh, but, you know, that we can't go about changing uh, history or anything like that. So this year's team, the, the limited defense, or at least the inexperienced defense, I think has enough growing pains that uh, keeps them from the division title. But still, they'll, they'll be a factor and uh, probably another New Year's Six Bowl for the Nittany Lions. Yeah, they're definitely, I think, going to be a factor. They have a, a light beginning of the schedule, although they have to go to Pittsburgh, who beat them a couple years ago in Pittsburgh. But they play Appalachian State at home. It should be, you know, it might not be an easy win, but it should be a win at Pitt. Kent State. It should be a blowout at Illinois uh, before closing out September with the Ohio State. If there's going to be a night game, I think it's going to be that game. The Ohio State game. Yeah. And then they have a real tough uh, October, end of October, early November with Iowa coming in. You have to go to Michigan and Wisconsin uh, coming in as well. And then you finish with Rutgers and Maryland. So I like how this schedule sets up. You know, your meat of the schedule is in there. You have Ohio State and then Oakland Week, then Michigan State, and then uh, Indiana's uh, at Indiana October 20th. So we'll see. This is a team that I think people are sleeping on, kind of forgetting about, uh, that, that could play a big factor. Next, let's go to Michigan State. I, I believe this is the second-best team in the East, uh, in my opinion. We'll, we'll see what they do. I, I like Brian Lewerke a lot. Uh, LJ Scott has had a solid career, had a great career. Uh, you know, He's had off-field issues, but I don't think he's going to be cares about that, uh, but you know, he's never he's never gone over a thousand yards. They lose uh, they lose Gerald Holmes in Madre London behind him, so they need to find another running back uh, who can take carries away but ease the, the burden on Elgin Scott. Uh, if you did carry the ball, I believe uh, he carried the ball 201 times last year. Uh, and then Montreal, London, Jeremy Holmes combined around 150. So you're going to have to find somebody to spread around those 150 carries too. I, I, we'll see. I think Brian Lewerke's arm is good enough uh, to 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 be a difference maker at quarterback. He definitely has the legs. The wide receiver uh, unit from Michigan State with Cody White, Daryl Stewart, and Felton Davis is very, very good. Uh, Matt Sokol is a pretty solid tight end at 6'6", 255. Their offensive line uh, has to be better. They weren't great last year, uh, but a lot of those guys are back. They should be better. They do lose 
they do lose uh, an Allen uh, from that from that line. I don't know which one because there's so many Allens. But they get an Allen back, and Matthew Allen, uh, I think Brian Allen was the offensive lineman who left. It's, it's like the um, the the linebacker, the Bullocks, that linebacker there. Oh, they're, yeah. They're, yeah, yeah. Michigan State is, is a legacy team in terms of a lot of these former players. Um, a lot of them have siblings, and it seems like they, they've had a Bullock there for a decade. Well, they've had an Allen there for a decade, too. So it, it's, it's interesting how they do it. And so they do have to, um, they do have to replace Brian Allen, who who is two two time All Big Ten uh, selection, but you know they should be able to. They didn't knock everybody's shoes off last year, so maybe some fresh blood is is good on the offensive line. On defense, uh, Joe Bocci is back. He's their do everything linebacker. Uh, Andrew Dallas at the star position. He needs to step it up. He's a guy who's had a lot of potential. His toughness has been questioned in the past. Uh, by coaches and, and needs to step up. They, they get Raquan Williams back at nose tackle. They, they have a couple of defensive ends who are pretty good. And the the back and the back end, Josiah Scott is now just announced on Big Ten Network uh, during the IU thing. He was he's out for I think two months, at least two months of the unspecified uh, injury suffered during camp. So he might. He might not be back for that Indiana game, September 22nd. Uh, it's, you know, borderline. Who knows? If he's out more than two months, he's not going to make it. If, it. if he cuts it to six weeks instead of eight weeks, he might make it um, Make it back. But we'll see uh, what they do there. Their second day is bring back Kari Willis, who's solid. Dave Dell, who's solid. Uh, and then Justin Lane at, at the boundary corner, but losing Josiah Scott was is going to be huge uh, on this team. He had 10 pass breakups, two interceptions last year, uh, and you'd figure as a sophomore, he would turn some of those pass breakups into more interceptions. So they also bring back Jake Hartbarger, who is an excellent punter, and Matt Coughlin, who's, who's an excellent kicker. So I think overall, Michigan State might be the, I wouldn't say the most solid team, but we know the most about. There aren't as many question marks surrounding Michigan State as there are, you know, who's going to, how's Dwayne Haskins going to be a quarterback? How's Shea Patterson going to be a quarterback? And who replaces Saquon Barkley at Penn State? That's, that's my take on Michigan State. CJ, how about your take? I think, um, I think that's all accurate. I think the wide receivers are probably the best group that Antonio's had there uh, in East Lansing. Uh, Milwaukee. I, I know that uh, Michigan State people really love that guy. Um, and I think he's very good. Uh, the coaching staff has kind of hinted that uh, Milwaukee is ahead of where uh, any of their previous quarterbacks, which is a pretty good list uh, when you start to take a look at it, the quarterback they've had there in the past probably 10 to 15 years. It's a pretty good list. Uh, and they think Milwaukee's ahead of where those guys were at this point in his career. Um, so that's very promising for him if he can take another step forward, which they are expecting. Uh, that would obviously take the offense up another level. The defense will be very good. It uh, almost always is. And the schedule is pretty favorable. Uh, they don't play Wisconsin. They don't play Iowa. Uh, they get to host Purdue and Northwestern out of the West, uh, which is not the easiest, but, you know, you get those two at home. And then uh, their their road game crossover-wise is at Nebraska, which, yeah, that's never easy, but uh, you'd certainly rather have that one now as opposed to two years from now. So, um, you know, I don't think they're complaining at all about their schedule. They do have a game, a uh, pretty interesting one, at Arizona State early in the season. Uh, kudos to both of those schools for playing that game on a you know true home and home uh, agreement. I think that's games like that are pretty cool. Um, I, I mean, I would be. I think you're kind of if you're Michigan State, you're saying, okay, can we get 
to another 10-win season. Uh, I think that's probably a, you know, a, a difficult goal, but a realistic one. Uh, I kind of see them falling at 9-3, and three, but it would not at all be a surprise to see them uh, get to that 10-win mark once again, which is quite impressive uh, after that um, you know, 2016 season, which out of nowhere was just a complete cratering. Uh, they've, they've dug themselves back out. Mark Antonio continues to, to tick along um, as a you know consistent force in the Big Ten East. I, I don't see them being a legitimate threat uh, to take down Ohio State and win this division. Uh, now, it's not to say that they can't do it, but I, I do not see it happening. Uh, like I said, I think nine or ten wins is about the ceiling for this team. Nothing wrong at all with that, though. Oh, you're right. You know, they have some tricky games going to Arizona State in week two uh, before having their, their they had an early open week, September 15th, before heading to Indiana. Uh, and then you have a tough game at Penn State that just, you know, they can win the Big Ten East. They, you know, they, they it sets up well where you have yeah. two out of the three big ones at home, but maybe somebody else knocks them off. You know, a trip to Nebraska at the end of the year, they'll be improved by then. Uh, you do have to go um, to Penn State, of course. And then, at, you know, at Indiana, people think that it, IU really has a shot at this game. To me, I'm not so sure. I, I'll have to see how IU plays. And then Northwestern's never easy. Why they scheduled them on homecoming, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, and then, you know, there's 10 wins to, have, to be had. There's probably more if you could get, if you could get Penn State uh, on the road. You'll have a shot at Big Ten. But it would be very, very difficult to sweep uh, the other big three in the, in the Big Ten East. Uh, and you've got to hope that they beat each other up a little bit. Maybe the champion of the Big Ten East this year has, you know, two, two losses in conference or or to each other. That's just how how good these top four teams uh, can be. Let's move on to Maryland. Uh, TJ, hopefully none of us get hurt uh, while going through this team. And, and all joking aside, the injuries killed them last year, and I, and I mentioned it in our quarterback, opposing quarterback, you know, IU plays um, Maryland November 10th. Now, we have no idea who's going to be the quarterback. It could be any of like four guys, uh, depending on health. They had awful injury luck last year. They started the year off great with a win on the road at number 23, Texas. They blew the doors off of Towson, and then the doors fell off from there. Uh, UCF came in. Uh, their starting quarterback, Ty Pigrom, got hurt against Texas. His replacement, Kasim Hill, is probably going to start this year got hurt against UCF early in the game. And, and, and then, you know, he had Max Bordenschlager who started off his era quite well winning on the road at Minnesota, but then they won one more time all year to finish with four wins. That win was a gift that Indiana gave them uh, on their homecoming in, uh, on October 28th last year, just a, you know, a game that IU shouldn't have lost. But Maryland comes back. We really like their running game, TJ. We've said it for three years now that Ty Johnson, a really, really good running back. Uh, Lorenzo Harrison is back as well. And then you have uh, Jake Funk at that fullback position to help him. But Ty, Ty Johnson, Lorenzo Harrison really are that one-two punch. And then if you get a running quarterback like Ty Pigram, or to see Hill in there to really make that spread option work. Uh, they're a dangerous running team uh, in the in the Big Ten East. Where they struggle is going to be passing the passing the ball. Uh, we'll, we'll see what these quarterbacks do after coming off an injury and, and not playing a game since last September. They lose their best receiver as well, and. Uh, and D.J. Moore, who had a 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns last year. They do get Tavion Jacobs and Jarvis Davenport back, but they weren't nearly as good as 
uh, DJ Moore last year, and, and we'll see where they go. They need a tight end. They don't really have a tight end game. This is where all the recruiting that DJ Durkin has done over the last few years at Maryland that people have been saying he's had good classes. We'll get to see that now. On defense, on defense, I'm I really not sure how good the people are returning. They, they weren't great on defense last year. Uh, they let up a ton of points uh, in the last uh, they only had two games where they let up less than seven, um, less than 17 points against Towson in week two against Michigan state in week in week 11 or week 12, if you count the bye week So their defense really, really has some holes on it. They lose their, their best defender and Jermaine Carter. He's going to the NFL they bring back Darnell Savage. He's probably their best defender. He, he's a guy who can block punts. He blocked a punt against IU last year. He's just a playmaker uh, that I really like. Outside of that, they have a lot of holes on defense, and they're going to be in a lot of shootouts if they can keep their quarterbacks healthy. Uh, and if they stay healthy, I do believe that they can get to a bowl game. Uh, they, again, open up with Texas, this one at, I believe, uh, the FedEx Field where the Redskins play. So it's a neutral site game in an NFL stadium. Again, it's a dumb opener. I don't know why Maryland is playing Texas. Um, you, you go to Bowling Green, you get Temple at home. Those should win, they should win games. You host Minnesota, which I think is the, play each other like the last four years, which I think is a weird crossover game to keep. Um, that could be a win. Then you go to to Michigan, you get Rutgers at home, at Iowa, Illinois, Michigan State, at Indiana, and then you finish with a doozy of Ohio State and at Penn State. So your last four games are Michigan State, at Indiana, Ohio State, and at Penn State. So we'll see what Maryland does. I do think that they could become a bowl team. There are six wins on their schedule somewhere, uh, but just how good they will be depends on their health. And they have not had a lot of good health uh, health luck in the last few years. I mean, injury is certainly the story. Uh, I mean, I I look at this team and I, I see see some very good players. However, I see enough holes that with this schedule, um, it leads me to believe that six wins is kind of the ceiling. Uh, and I think I'd probably lean towards them not going to a bowl game, not reaching 500, uh, and it being kind of a disappointing season in College Park. Um, that's understanding that Pegram and Hill, whichever one of them starts, uh, if they can stay healthy, you know, they're they're good players. I mean, they, they've proven that. That being said, uh, you know, you lose D.J. Moore, who was just far and away their best receiver and their best playmaker uh, in the passing pass catching department. I don't think they can replace him. Uh, I think teams are going to be able to treat Maryland as a one-dimensional attack. And then their defense, I expect to be pretty bad. Um, truthfully, I think it's probably the uh, the worst defense in the Big Ten East. Um, so I, I look at that schedule think, okay, there's game, there are concerns in the passing game uh, with wide receiver and tight end. There are concerns all over that defense, uh, and then there's a tough schedule. So, for me, that's enough strikes to say uh, it's going to be a, a bit of a, a downer for the Terrapins. Yeah, and there's still, to me, it seems like they're built like an ACC team. Small, fast guys, run the ball, not a huge big defense, not a huge big offensive line. It just seems like they're still built like an SEC or an ACC team. Uh, instead of a Big Ten team, which they're trying to get rid, uh, you know, get past uh, the last couple of years. So uh, we'll see. There are definitely at least five wins on that schedule uh, that I could that I could count, and, and a few toss-up games as well. That if they go their way, um, will make or break their season. All right, we are skipping over Indiana and going straight to New Jersey, the great state of New Jersey. Um, Rutgers to Garland okay. Knights. Um, that was said sarcastically. 
Um, yeah. It's yeah. the great state of New great. Jersey. Awesome. Okay. Rutgers. I Well. It's Rutgers. I, I, I get it. Um, they're entering third, the third year of Chris Ash. They should be better. But my thing is, this is no longer, everybody says, oh, Rutgers should be better. They should be better. You know, they're in New Jersey. New Jersey has great high school football talent and whatever. Moving to the Big Ten is going to help them. But Rutgers was in the Big East when the Big East was good, when they had Virginia Tech and Miami and good Boston College team and good Syracuse Uh team and all those teams. They couldn't get off the deck. West Virginia. West Virginia, Louisville. Um, They couldn't get off the deck until Greg Schiano got there. So can it be done? Sure. Am I sold in Chris Ash turning that program around anymore? Absolutely not, especially with their off-the-field problem. They had eight guys involved in a credit card scam, and no, it wasn't um, selling Rutgers football tickets to people for money. Um, That wasn't the scam. (laughs) But, um, Uh, yeah, that was my attempt at a terrible joke. Um, That's good. That's good. But, you know, if they have a bad season, does the off-the-field issues push Chris Ash out like they did uh, Kyle Flood? And Flood, you know, before Kyle, before Rutgers joined the Big Ten, uh, they had been to five bowl, five bowl games in six years. They went to a bowl game in 2014, 13, 12, 11, and 2009. Uh, so you had a, you have a good history, uh, your know, recent history in the last uh, since the turn of the century, really of Rutgers football. So I, I just don't understand why they could be uh, this bad, other than you know maybe Chris Ash is the guy. He always also has a sad sack look on his face, uh, like he's about to cry. But anyway, Rutgers <laughs> is they're either going to start Giovanni Rashino or two freshmen, Arthur Sikowski, at quarterback. Rashino doesn't put the fear of anything in anybody uh, as a passing quarterback. The running backs, they lose their big running backs. in the Gus Butts, Gus Edwards, he's not playing in the NFL. Robert Martin is gone as well. So they lose those guys. Their leading receiver is a tight end. He only had 28. Jerome Washington is a very good tight end. But he only had 28 catches uh, for under 300 yards last year. So their offense is going to be a weakness. And, and we don't know. Tariq Cole is, going to, is an NFL prospect at left tackle. Outside of that, who knows what this line is going to be. And then on their, their strength, the defensive side of the ball, you know, IU put up 40, what was it, 41 points on them last year. They just didn't have enough playmakers. They don't have enough depth. They do get playmakers back in the secondary. Um, Saquon Hampton, Blesson Austin, K.J. Gray, I think, has been kicked off the team as, as more off-the-field stuff, it turns out. But they don't have they don't have any. There's, Trevor Morris was, was good on defense last year with 118 tackles. Deontay Roberts is back with 104 tackles from last year. But he only had eight tackles for loss between the both of them. So they're not making havoc plays. They're not creating plays on defense. Uh, and if you're not doing that, your offense can't stick. And Rutgers' offense sticks. And so to me, Rutgers' season is going to come down to this game, uh, in my opinion, about whether or not Chris Ash stays in Piscataway. Rutgers plays at Kansas in a battle of the bad. Um, in week three. It's a week after Rutgers goes to Ohio State. Rutgers has scored 10 points against Ohio State in three years. In three years. Uh, yep. Yep. In three years, they've scored seven points against Ohio State. Um, so that game's not going to be close. They go to Kansas. It's Kansas. Kansas has won three games in three years. Uh, they, I think they won two games last year, zero games the year before, one the year before that. If they lose that game, the perception of losing that game, even though it's on the road, 
is going to be enormous into the direction of that program. That's just a soul-crushing loss if they lose at Kansas. Uh, and, yep. and, you know, if they beat Kansas, that could turn their season around. You know, after that, you play Buffalo. They open up with Texas State, so you think maybe they could be 3-1 and one heading into the Indiana game. Uh, and they host Indiana on October or September 29th. So that's kind of a yep. toss-up game. Big Ten on the road, that's a toss-up game. Then they play Illinois at home. Illinois is awful. So you really think that this Kansas game, if they could win this game, they might have the ball rolling in the right direction. Then they go to it to Maryland, who they beat last year, and they have Northwestern at home. So really, September and October, if they could get through Kansas, is very, very manageable for Rutgers. If they lose to Kansas, they might win one game all year. Uh, Buffalo is is a nice back team that comes in. And then at the end of the year, I don't think there is a harder last four games in the Big Ten now playing at, at now. Wisconsin, Michigan at home, Penn State at home, and at Michigan State. Uh, maybe if you threw Ohio State in there, um, but it, you could pencil it, switch them anyway, any way you want. That is about as hard of a of a four game slate to end the year. Where if you don't get your six wins by the middle of October, you, you ain't getting six wins, uh, and, and that's just right. That's going to be something very tough to do with a team that's probably breaking in a, a true freshman quarterback, has very few weapons on offense, and really doesn't have the playmakers and the depth they need on defense. I mean, on in Chris Ash's two years, Rutgers uh, has been, I mean, just about as bad as you can be on offense, 125th and 126th in S&P Plus. Uh, and now... They are starting over at running back, which is really the only thing they did semi-competently, and there are not really any playmakers to speak of in the passing game. Uh, so, there's, in short, there's not really much reason to expect the offense to improve much. Uh, you would say, well, they'll get better. If you say that, the only reason you're saying it is because it's been so bad for the past two years that you're saying, well, it has to get better. And maybe that's true. Uh, but it, in reality, no, it, it doesn't have to get, get any better. It, it could be just as bad as it was the past two years still. Uh, of course, they have another offensive coordinator, but it's not a hire that particularly screams innovation, uh, which is kind of what I would do if I were them. I would, I would go in an innovative direction. And this isn't us just casting stones at Rutgers uh, from a perch of high, I mean, Indiana football has been in this position very recently. You know, we've been the seller dweller. Uh, we've been the team that you're looking at the schedule and wondering how you're going to win three or four games and trying to talk yourself into maybe we can get to four wins and hooray. I mean, I, you know, we've been there uh, and we'll probably be there again at some point. So uh, it's not not to, to laugh at Rutgers or to, to point fingers at them. It's, it's a legitimate question of how are they this bad? There's a talent base there that you wouldn't think uh, they would reach this level of prolonged uh, misery, but there they are. And uh, so I, I would have gone with kind of a maybe an innovative hire, uh, an up-and-comer, a young up-and-comer as an offensive coordinator just to see if you could, you know, maybe catch lightning in a bottle and, and rise 20 to 25 spots in S&P Plus uh, and go from awful to just below average. Uh, and if they could do that, then I think you could look at the schedule and say, all right, we got a shot at a bowl game. Uh, because I think the defense can be good enough, not good, but good enough, that with their schedule, uh, if the offense can uh, find a way to be competent, you know, this could be a tough out Indiana, and it could be a tough out for uh, three or four other teams on that schedule to where they can at least compete for a bowl game. Uh, unfortunately for them, I just do not see the offense getting to that level. Uh, I think it's going to be really bad for another season. And then, uh, you know, if you finish up this campaign at, uh, you know, three and nine or even four and eight with a, 
another really awful offense. I think Rutgers has to ask questions about uh, the direction of that program and where it's headed. Um, But I think you hit the nail on the head. They have to win that Kansas game. A loss there, and I don't think they have to ask many questions. I think they'll know all the answers. Yeah, that Kansas game. And I'm not not urging people to watch it. It's just a game that I I think is going to dictate the, the season for those two programs and and we'll see yep. what they do but you know Rutgers did show for the record for the record I think Rutgers wins that game uh, I think Rutgers is, is in a better spot than Kansas is I think they win that game uh, but I mean it it won't be a shoe in that's for sure there are no when you're at that level and, and we as IU fans again we know this uh, when you lose as much as as Rutgers has, and when you have an offense as bad as they have, there are absolutely zero gimmies. Correct, and, and you no, know, Rutgers has improved uh, over the last, you know, since 2016. Last year, they won three conference games. They upset Purdue at home. Uh, they, they beat Maryland, and they beat Illinois. So they they won three out of four there, and then it just totally dropped off. After a loss to Penn State, uh, Indiana beat them 41 nothing. Michigan State beat them 40 to seven, and it just really dropped off. But there was improvement. They, they won. They went from two wins to four wins. They went, you know, from zero wins in the Big Ten to three wins in the Big Ten. So there is some hope uh, for Rutgers. I, again, I, I really like their fan base. Their fan base is terrific. They go out and they support their team. Uh, you know, well, when the fans are tailgating, they're at the game, uh, at least at the beginning of it, and then if the game gets out of hand, they leave. But they're they're a passionate fan base uh, for, for Rutgers football uh, there. Anyway, TJ, that wraps up uh, the Big Ten East preview uh, here. Thanks for, for joining me, talking to football. We'll be back next week talking all IU. Uh, in the next couple of weeks before we get into our game week podcast, IU does open the season uh, in 27 days or 26 days. They was Von Dunbar uh, 26 days uh, at FIU down in Florida. It should be an excellent test for IU to see where they, where, where they are at uh, and, and so forth. But anyway, TJ season's like, three and a half weeks away. We're getting excited. We'll talk about IU offense uh, next week. Then the week after, we'll talk about the defense and get into game yep. week after that. So thanks for joining us, TJ, uh, and enjoy the rest of your night. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Plenty of intriguing questions uh, on both sides of the ball for us to discuss in our IU previews. Yep, that does it for tonight's podcast. You can follow us at Hoosier underscore Huddle on Twitter. Check us out at HoosierHuddle.com. Uh, we'll have fall camp updates from Riley Kine, who's down there. Down there today, uh, Big Ten Network has IU football on their Big Ten, uh, Big Ten Football and Beyond uh, show today. I'll give you my two cents on that show a little bit later in the evening uh, via social media. Uh, and, and then we have a cool new ad up on the site. It's vintagebrands.com. If you are a collector or like vintage sports gear, um, sports memorabilia, old tickets, uh, program covers, stuff like that, just click on the advertisement at the top of our site. Uh, they have IU stuff. They have, you know, Chicago Cubs things, uh, any college that uh, they have but probably about 50 or 60 different colleges to look at. They have, they don't have Indianapolis cult stuff yet. It basically goes up into to the mid eighties, early eighties. So they have some Baltimore cult stuff, Chicago bears stuff, Cincinnati reds, Indiana Pacers. Uh, so if you're a vintage sports collector, check that out. They have some pretty cool stuff. I just ordered uh, some Indiana coasters uh, with Rose Bowl tickets on them. And I can't wait till they get here. Uh, to check them out. So check them out. They're a pretty cool uh, company that just started advertising with us. So uh, anyway, that does it for tonight's show. Enjoy the rest of the week. 
football will be here sooner rather than later. And check out IU stuff on Big, Big Ten Network uh, tonight. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.